0: Hello, welcome to the Gab and Jules show. No Gab, Marcotti today, so look who is with me. It's me, it's Meidem me. Maidam Onua. It's a bit of a special show, not just because you're here, of but, course, of but course, for, for the, the programme that we have on the show, the schedule, because we're going to talk transfers mm-hmm. already, especially here in England, not so much in the rest of Europe, where it's quite slow, but here, It's in full flow. All the big clubs especially are either signing players or getting close to signing players. So we're going to talk about all your favourite clubs, everybody who's already signed someone or is on the verge of. And to start, I felt that we had to talk about the two biggest ones so far. They're not yet done completely, but it looks like Varjo to City and Havertz to Arsenal are very close. Mm. And they're the biggest in terms of the players involved, the money involved and the clubs where they, they, go involved, they, they are involved in those deals. Let's start with Vardial because we know that quite a lot of things could be happening at City this summer in terms of departures, the yep. likes of Mahrez, Bernardo Silva, Gündoğan he's already gone, Cancelo, Laporte. Laporte. Yep. Do you feel like a centre-back is something that can benefit the team and the squad and that Guardiola wants?
1: I think when you see Or hear the stuff about Laporte Potentially leaving Then yes You don't really like to see one leave And then no, nothing come yeah. back in But it also feels like That's a section where They've been quite strong anyway I think Ake did a great job At left back And there have been times When Kanji's done it and so on I thought maybe they'd lean Towards more that side But Gvardiol is one of the Biggest prospects yeah. In sort of like world football At this moment in time and if you can bring in someone of that sort of age Then, you know, you're not just buying him for two, three years This could be a guy where, like, other City players Where he's there for five, six, seven, eight years mm. So I, I do I do like it I'll be interested to see what Guardiola's sort of, like, go-to team will be Come, like, October, November time yeah. Because at the start of the season it could be anything, you know Yeah. But, yeah, he's, I think it's an exciting signing I think the fee is the standard fee for whatever people can pay these days but yeah I, I, I like it I like to see good players come to the Premier League and go into City as well so I, I don't mind it what do you think?
0: So, so the price is around 100 million euros we think maybe like give and take uh, which I think for someone his age as you say he's 22 years old and there's been a bit of inconsistency at Leipzig in terms of why, what he does on the pitch Yeah. In the, in, the, in the World Cup where we both saw him he was magnificent I think I wonder if it's more down to the environment of Leipzig and where the team was maybe more than him himself I think he can step up easily to a team like City to a coach like Guardiola and to uh, to, to that kind of environment but it is a lot of money yeah. still I think that if you lose a Laporte left-footed centre-back you replace him with another left-footed centre-back and right now there are not that many who are as good as Guardiola is Yeah. so if you're the best in Europe which City are you go for what you can find the best in europe in that position that you want to strengthen right? yeah. it makes sense
1: yeah it, it does make sense you're right though like when you said 100 million euros like my eyes watered a little bit <laughs> <laughs> but but do you know what i mean you can't at some point in your life you have to accept that the fees are the fees yeah you know, it's what people say they want to receive is what people receive and that's just what it is like at this moment in time he's worth 100 million euros because somebody's prepared to pay it maybe in a Venture. few years time like for where his game will be You know They can sense the potential He's 22 yeah, yeah, years yeah, page, yeah. You know That's like Completely That's that's really good I think it's interesting The last time he played at City Was in a Champions League game When they lost 7-0 as well he had yeah, yeah, like yeah, day. Yeah, yeah But We've heard his name Being spoken about for two years Not everyone's seen Leipzig games all the time We can see That he is a great prospect See how he did for Croatia At the World Cup So yeah It's a, it's a good signing I think it'll be interesting To see like You know Teams don't have one left foot centre the back City have him And Ake Dutch yeah. international Yeah Yeah but I'm sure their business is not over. That's the no, big thing for sure.
0: No. But you know, just to finish on on, on Valjol and City, th- there's something about the centre-backs or the defenders that papers signed. Certainly recently, I don't count Mangala and yeah, people like that. Yeah, it, yeah. Just... But Ruben Diaz hit the ground running and was magnificent from the beginning. Laporte had a really good spell. Okay, yeah. Now, maybe less so, but Akanji... Pep has transformed him and the team has transformed him to someone that Dortmund didn't want anymore to an outstanding player. Ake, as you said, you know, from Bournemouth to City to make the step up. And I I just think that Wenger used to struggle a bit with defenders at times, with certainly centre-backs. With Pep, it seems that, I mean, to be fair, they haven't got many transfers wrong.
1: Yeah, they haven't. They have had some big ones, which we might mention further down the road or whatever. But ultimately, I think for what I like about what City do what Guardiola does, he wants his defenders to defend. He wants them to play the right passes. He wants them to be aggressive yeah. in terms of how they defend, and he wants them to take pride in stopping the ball going into their goal. That mentality—it seems like it kind of left football for a little while because when you looked at sort of attributes of players. For some reason When it came down to recruitment For a few years Like defending wasn't even The top attribute The only someone yeah. that could play A diagonal ball Or somebody yeah, that can, yeah. You know what I mean Like drop into midfield Or do all this yeah. stuff But you talk about Ruben Diaz You ask well What's his best Sort of like trait He's a great defender That's, that's it Yeah, yeah that's, that, it. that's The
0: one on one He's it. it's just He's a yeah. great yeah. defender yeah.
1: You know what I mean And other players Within that setup Can do that And as a consequence then Like even when they're in possession Which is like 60% of the time In most games they're not being asked to hit a 70-yard diagonal ball. They're not being asked to thread through balls yeah. to people in key areas. They're asked to be in the right place and to make the right decision. Cover each other, be aggressive, try and win the ball back when you lose it. And ultimately, just be there when it matters. And, you know, you look at it and now the pool of talent that they need or would like is far bigger than yeah. it would have been in the past yeah, if definitely. you were asking for some of those more sort of like intricate parts of football.
2: Yeah,
0: no, that's very true. The other big one is Kai Havertz, obviously from Chelsea to Arsenal. For around sixty five million pounds, I think fifty million plus fifteen in bonuses. Um some some maybe I'll be skeptical about the move. Are you some?
1: Are you some? I'm, or not. You, I'm okay. on board. You're maybe orders, at the okay.
0: beginning I was a bit like, okay, let me have a look into it. Kai Havertz last season. I I'll give you more stats uh in a little bit, uh in the podcast side of the of the show. But for now, what's what's your opinion? And the idea I think is that Arteta wants to play him as a number eight, like where Granit Chaka was playing, basically. So, on that left of the midfield three, Odegaard on the right, him on the left, and then whoever is the holding midfielder behind them.
1: So, I don't have issues with Havertz. Lots of other people have issues with Havertz. They talked about the chances he misses and so on and yeah. so forth. And he did miss those chances. You yeah, can yeah. see them, that's what it is. But then I still remember him scoring the winning goal in the Champions League finals yeah. to start with. I still remember what he was like when he was at Leverkusen. That is where he was, with yeah, Leverkusen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still... Think that he's somebody who moves very well, understands the game very well, and in a better sort of environment can really sort of like achieve the potential that I think still exists within him. Yeah. So I think it's a good sign. And I thought to myself, like, where was he going to fit in with Arsenal? Because I, I thought about their structure, I thought about the nature of this like 4 3 3 as such, and you know, the fact that Shaka and Odegaard are very different. Yeah. But there's a nice balance that goes in there. So I said, oh, maybe he's going to play in the front three. But and I was like, well, there's Martinelli, there's Trossard, there's like Jesus, Shaka, there's yeah. Saka. I was like, oh, I don't know. But maybe this is a statement from Arsenal That they're going to be on the front foot Because if they're going to have a six holding next And then in front of them you've got A Havertz and an Odegaard Nobody wants to play against that no. you know, There might be sort of like Dispensive sort of like inefficiencies As such that might exist from being so progressive yeah. But I think he can play that role And I think if Arsenal play to their potential I think that really benefits him As opposed to like times we've seen him at Chelsea Where he has to lead the line And he's done a good job of it overall but it's that final piece for Chelsea I think if they himself and others would have scored more chances they wouldn't be in the position they're in where yeah, they were in mid-table so I, I don't mind it what do you think?
0: I think in terms of control of the game and we talked a lot about it about City last season and Pep this, this like quest for almost full control or as much as control you can get in a football match I think he's brilliant mm. because on the ball, under pressure, he'd be better than Chaka. Chaka had some really good passing and, like you said, brought something different in the sense of he was a bit more defensive, yeah. you know, he had that leadership quality, etc. But on the ball, there is no doubt that Kai Havertz is better. And... From all the stats that you can find, he's a great runner. Yep. So I'm not saying that defensively, you know, he's Franco Baresi. I'm just saying that he runs, he can press, he can counter-press. He will defend and he will help his his, his defence and his midfield and all of that. I just think the versatility is something that Arteta likes. So mm. even if he starts the season as an eight, he can play anywhere on that front three. Wide, maybe that's not his best position, but he can do it. Yep. He can play as a nine or as a fourth nine, you can play as a second striker if you slightly change your formation. So, I think he brings you a lot of different options. Certainly, yeah, he's 24, he still has a lot of experience, as you say, he's a Champions League winner. So, I don't think you're taking much of a risk by signing him, even if you think it's, it's a lot of money.
1: And I also think he's sort of he counters the Gabriel Jesus tendency quite well. Because if Jesus starts coming deeper and deeper and deeper I think Havertz will sense that and he'll go yeah. higher and go through the middle And I think they're missing that rotation Because sometimes if Jesus does come short Then there is like a gaping hole that's in the middle for them And it'd be better if they had someone that could go into that space And I think Odegaard's not really going to do that Because he prefers yeah. to be on this other side of the ball But yeah, I think I he's think a really good player I think some of the criticism we received last year I think it's tough I But that's the it. thing if you, miss, if you miss chances, people call you a bad player yeah. But when you watch the whole game, you know why they're still playing so, I think it's a good signing. I think for that sort of fee from a quote unquote, and I stress this as a quote, rival, <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a good deal overall,
0: yeah. So, I've got, I've got a start for you. Uh oh. On Kai Havertz. To kind of almost go along with the last point that you made. He, so, in the Premier League last season, yep. right, he was the second player who made the most off ball runs into the box. Yeah in the whole season the first one being erling Haaland, as you would expect yeah but he was the second so those runs whatever if you if you play as a number nine obviously those runs are going to be shorter from wherever you stand into the box so but you you can still i guess make the same runs from midfield Mm -hmm. into the box right it's just that the 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 the, the, it would be a longer run than as a number nine other stats i know chelsea were terrible last season so make it what you want of those stats but from a Chelsea squad point of view Havertz had the most goals the most shots on target the most chances created the more the most dual ones in the air or, or on the on the pitch he won the most possessions of the last 30 yards or of the first 30 yards of the opposition team he had the most final third passes into the game so basically he did everything for that Chelsea team and yeah. I wonder Neds, if at some point Arteta and Arsenal looked at all those numbers and as you often said to me it's all about perception and yeah. what you know and and you can look at Chelsea and say okay they finished 12. he had seven goals in 50 games or whatever but if you look at those numbers you think okay if you put those numbers into a better team with a structure that that suits him yeah then maybe the outcome could be much better than what we saw.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think when you look at statistics, you can sort of create whatever narrative that you want to create, but some of the ones you've mentioned that most people have never seen before or heard about, but those are the key statistics that get people into the side. Because if you want someone That's going to score goals I'm sure there's somebody In the fourth tier Of English football That scored 50 goals Last season yeah. So bring them up To the premiership I'm sure that If that's if scoring goals Is the only course, thing yeah. that's, that's the easiest thing yeah, In the world yeah, yeah. But there's more to it And I think some of those Stats that you mentioned there Whether it's the one Breaking into the box Like you said Only second to Haaland yeah. And everyone sees The Haaland runs And it's Oh he's so good At getting into the box But no one's saying that About Havertz yeah. The duel situation Is really interesting as well Because that's quite tough for people to do when you're faced with the amount of aggression that you can find from centre backs and defenders around you. That's impressive. The interceptions in terms of balls being won back.
0: Yeah. In that final sure.
1: third, that's that's really good. That's somebody that's on the front foot. Yeah. So I, I like that. Everything you've mentioned there, I think if you're from an Arsenal perspective, you could picture the value that would have within your team. You know, when the ball's wide with Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, whoever, Trossard, you want someone that's breaking their back to get into the box. Bang, there it is. When it's time for you to go and press a side you want someone that's very good at being able to sort of intercept those balls and so on. When you know you need to just have like an out ball mm. it's great that you can do that. Yeah, yeah. And all this at the age of twenty-four, which is still young, quite yeah. young in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I, I like it. I, get, I think I uh, looking at that, um, the stats have. Conv- I, was, I was sold already, but like you can, you can put it in, in like permanent
0: ink now. I'm, I'm on board with it. I think it's a great signing. So just to finish on Havertz, if you were the sporting director or the owner. Of a top Premier League club. Yes. Would you sell to a, a rival? You mentioned the word rival earlier. I did it
1: in quotes, though. Yeah, I did in, it quotes. in quotes.
0: This is different, though, because we saw it last season with with Zinchenko and Jesus coming from City to Arsenal, uh, and in a way, could have come back to haunt them a little bit. Yeah. Would you, as as a Chelsea owner or Sporting director or whatever? Sell a player to Arsenal. It doesn't have to be Arsenal and Chelsea. It could be, you know, Spurs to Arsenal, or it could be City to United, or United to Liverpool. I don't care. Yeah. Or is it more complicated than just that?
1: I think I'm getting the feeling that it's more complicated than that. It sounds to me like Chelsea needed to let some people yeah, go yeah. this they summer. Yeah, they need some money. Yeah. So if you need to let people go, it's great if you've got loads of offers. But what happens if you don't? If there's only one offer that's gonna hit the valuation that you believe to be correct and it happens to be coming from a rival, what do you do? Do you take the do you just hope that you sell somebody else? Or do you cash in on something like this, which has even happened before preseason and stuff has started? Yeah. Like you wanna get your business done as early as possible so that you don't have to make so many wholesale changes towards the end of the window. Like in you know, the way it goes, when all the panic deals start happening in the last two weeks yeah, in the window. Yeah, yeah. You don't want anything to do with that. Definitely not. But it is a funny look to see somebody Go to a rival, and historically, in more recent times, you would have thought that Chelsea were the bigger outfit than Arsenal. Yeah. Historically. But yeah, I don't, I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. But it seems like their hands are tied a little bit.
0: They are, that's true. So,
1: you, in some ways, like, what chance do you have, really? Yeah. yeah. That's true. Right,
0: let's move on to another one in Sandro Tonali, a player that we both really like, mm-hmm. who's on the brink of going to, to Newcastle for £80 million, which is a lot of money. Again, I think there's, there's bonuses in, in there. It would be the highest, the most expensive Italian player of all time. It would be certainly for Newcastle the, the most expensive transfer that they've ever made. Uh, more than Alexander Isaac last season. Where do you stand on Tonelli? I have to be honest here. I thought Bruno Guimaraes was an amazing player for Newcastle, maybe maybe their best player.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And I will have to see where Tonali plays and how much that impacts on where Bruno plays. And I think Bruno can play a little bit higher up because he's so creative. He can almost play as a 10, if you want, with a bit of freedom. And Tonali is the deep-lying playmaker in that team. Mm -hmm. But I would love, I I, I would be very excited to see the Tonali-Bruno partnership in there. Where do you stand on the Tonali to Newcastle move? And do you think it's a really good move? Like a lot of people seem to think, and I think I agree, I I think it's, uh, it's an amazing signing.
1: I think it's a really good player. Um, I think it has the potential to be a really good move. But um it feels like there'll be a fundamental change in my mind in terms of how Newcastle play to have Guimaraes and Tonali in the team at the yeah. same time. But then you, you look in well how can they how can they make that next step forward, you know, bring in a full Italian international? That that's definitely a way to do it, but what's the expense? Is it long stuff that goes? Is it Joe Linton that goes? Is yeah. it Willock that goes? I'm not sure. Did he, did he play in the same way? Or is the manager's how in a position whereby he knows he has to change something for the next year anyway, especially given the fact that they're in the Champions League? Mm. So, this potential for it, I think, is a really good footballer. I think he could form a really good partnership with Gummiresh in there. But, how does it affect everything else around mm. it? Like, I'd be confident of those two players, like six slash eights as such. Are they going to play in a 4 3 3 anymore? Yeah. You know what I mean? You is are. there a tweak? Are they going to go for. Because I could see that working in almost like a four-two-three-one. Yeah. But then, who's the okay. number ten that they don't have? Yeah. I can't. I can't think who'd be the roaming ten in that sort of position. Yeah. In the
0: squad right now, I don't think they really have that kind of profile.
1: So maybe that's going to be the next sort of move for them, or maybe would they go Isak and Wilson yeah. through in the middle? Yeah. The
0: four-four-two. And then you have Tonali and Bruno and then two wild players and then Wilson well, and Isak. He
1: definitely gives them options. I don't, I can't see the vision that clearly right now, but I yeah. think he's a player that will definitely suit how they want to play in the season. They're going to have this one coming up with the Champions League and then pushing to try and win something. So I like it. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy fee for a player that most people haven't seen play before mm. in England. So the pressure yeah. will be on as such. Yeah. But I think as long as they continue with the recruitment whereby the players that they bring in understand what it is to play in Newcastle to play for Newcastle and to be part of their journey yeah, I think Tonali will be great and I hope that he does and he doesn't yeah. just seem like a move to the Premier League
0: No, and I think from a, from a Milan fan himself to have played for Milan so for the people who don't know he was a prodigal prodigal kid a uh,
1: prodigal, talent, prodigal yeah.
0: talent when he was younger at Brescia he was this new PLO although he's this slightly different. I think he does. He does more running than Pirlo ever did before. Um, and Milan was his club. He ended up playing for them. I think he, he would be quite sad to leave. He yeah. understands that, in terms of business, Milan have to sell, and that uh, it would be a great. Great for the club, for him to make that move and bring all that money to his club. So, but I think that the relationship that he has with Milan. Okay, he's not a Newcastle fan. However, he would understand what it means to play for Newcastle, like him, yeah. like he felt how much he meant to play for Milan, you yeah. know. So on that, on that, I don't have any, on, I don't have any doubts. I don't have much doubt. I think he's 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 a tough kid, yeah, whose time playing at 16 with the first team in Italy. So I think he will. I don't have any worries about him adapting to England, to the Premier League, to yep. Newcastle. I think he's, he's one of those kind of like, you know, who, who, who won't be too precious about going somewhere so oh, the weather is different, the language, yeah, this and yeah, that. Okay. I think he'd be ready for that. But it's it's more like you said on the pitch, how this is gonna work. But again I see it, I see it in a way of is he an improvement of what they had in midfield? A hundred percent A hundred percent You know it's, it's the different profile To Willow or Wellington. He's It's more of a John Joe Shelby, But like uh, The luxurious version Yeah And with hair Yeah So like I'm like I'm like Okay I'm good You've improved your squad Let's see what else You do in other positions
1: I'll tell you what's funny as well um, Maybe him playing Will be at the expense Of long staff as well Yeah Yeah So When football clubs change And I could be completely wrong here, this might be An ice cold take And if it is Please Tweet Julian Don't tweet me <laughs> When teams go through these big changes, there's a point whereby they want someone to represent them on the field, and yeah. that's what Longstaff is. Yeah. But when you look at positions that you believe Newcastle needs to change, looks like maybe Longstaff's out, and yeah. the other position will be a left back, which is Dan Burn, yeah. the guy, the other guy from the northeast. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. True, true. And
1: it's funny Born how quickly things can yeah. change once the expectation within a football club starts to rise. Yeah. You know, because how many people. Are going to be upset that Tonali's come because it means that Longstaff might play less. Yes, yeah, it's not going to be many. But as I say, I'm yeah, looking no, forward no, to a him doing point. it, and I hope I he think does well. It's work. the
0: right balance to find, right, for any squad yeah. of like the local talents or the one from your uh, your own ones, yeah. whether they're from your academy or not, or they came later like Dan Burn yeah. and the talent that you can bring. But then also the other side of it, they love Gueimeres because he's obviously a very good player.
1: But there's he, he, got a sense like he feels what yeah, it is yeah, to yeah, play yeah, for the team. If sure. Tonali can do that. Then for that's sure. that'll be like whether he plays well or he doesn't, if they feel he's connected to the fans into the city, yeah, that's in some ways a greater success than say you pass completion any given season because sure, sure, people sure. will remember and long for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah Because yeah. you're fully committed to
0: what they're yeah. trying to do. And I think as an Italian, like we said, I think he will have that in yeah. him, you know, that kind of relationship with the fans. Let's go back to City and Mateo Kovacic, yes. because Ika Gundogan it's gone now. Huh? It's left sadly. Uh, on a treble so he couldn't have left in a in, a, in yeah. a better way. Kovacic is a replacement per se in terms of a midfielder, although in a different profile to Gundogan. Do you like the deal to start with? Uh, he's 29. It he cost I think 30 or it's 35. plus yeah. bonuses with one year left on his contract at Chelsea. And and what can he bring to this city team?
1: Again, it's one of those things where. Did Chelsea want to sell to a quote-unquote rival? Yeah, uh, well, uh, yeah, I yeah. don't
0: think so. I would not think
1: so. Um, I like it. I think the the defeat itself, relatively speaking, isn't as big as, say, some of the other ones that we'll see in this transfer yeah. window. So that's a positive sign. I think bringing somebody in who's 29 means that these will likely be the best years of Kovacic's career because he understands the game. As you get older, you just see a different game. Physically, you can still do it, but mentally, you understand exactly how it works. Like... City's like the average age of City's team is getting towards late 20s already yeah 28 I think exactly and that's a bunch of players that did what hadn't been done before Yeah, I think there's, there's a benefit to youth there's a bigger benefit with experience surrounding it so I think somebody coming in that understands the league and understands what it's like to you know, potentially going and win things or whatever. Because he, you know, he won the Champions League two years ago, three yeah. years ago, whatever um, it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and he's been around Madrid, he's done everything. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's a good deal. i will be interested to see where they see him playing because he's not gonna win. I think that's a really clear and yeah, obvious yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like City are perhaps in the market for another midfielder as well. Yeah. But I think to bring in somebody that can be competing for a starting spot and not think that there's ever gonna be weakness should somebody drop out.
0: Yes, that's that's the thing. That's Even the if he's a squad thing. member, you know that you can bring him on yeah. and he will do his stuff.
1: And the funny thing about City as well, I'll just jump in, is like everyone's a squad member, whether we like it or not.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. If I tell I like, mean,
0: some some are a Rodri, more Rodri
1: Rodri Harland And KDB. K
0: okay. He's still.
1: Yeah, KDB and Edison. But the rotations that would happen in other places throughout the season. Come the end of the season, you know what the starting eleven is. Yeah, yeah. But
0: And Ruben Diaz. He... Ruben Diaz is a starter every day. Come on.
1: Jules The Manchester derby When it was 6-3 uh, Ruben Diaz Was on the bench Next to Laporte And the starting centre-backs Were Ake and Akanji Yeah, yeah
0: true 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 You know what I mean I And that at the time yeah, That was that. the biggest
1: game Of the season Yeah 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 So again As the season progresses I think Guardiola Is very good at sort of Mixing most of the positions up Yeah And then by the end Of the season You know exactly What the team's going to be When every game Matters to the point Where if you lose it, Everything's over Yeah but it'll be interesting to see how he does, how he fits in, what he adds to City, because I think he's a good ball carrier centrally as well. Yeah, so in the same that's,
0: way, that's in the s- thing.
1: In the same way that they can move it around, I like it. You can break the lines with the pass, you can break the lines with the Completely. dribble, and I think he's fantastic yeah. for that, so I like it.
0: And that's why I think he's such an added value to the squad, because okay, De Bruyne, can, De Bruyne pro- progressive carries are great, the Bruyne yeah. is on form and etc. I think Kovacic brings you another weapon like that, Yeah. And the pressure resistance that he has is amazing, so you're under pressure, and not that city are under under pressure a lot in games, but you know that he can receive the ball it. and yeah, break it and turn he's, he's turned, and his first touches are so good yeah so i I like this deal a lot I yes. like.
2: okay
0: another one uh that happened a few weeks ago in, in Alexis McAllister to Liverpool from Brighton but I don't think we discussed it together yeah. so I thought this was a good just to have your opinion we know that midfield was some, what, the area really where Liverpool had to do a lot of rebuilding and I don't think they're over I think they will go and get another one maybe two midfielders whether really that's, that many? yeah, Maybe that's Turam, Kone, Caicedo, Lavia whoever they go for but I think there will be one for sure maybe even two more where do you stand on McAllister to Liverpool? It looks, it looks such a great signing for the money that they paid, the 35 million plus 20 in bonuses, so he could go up to 55, which is not the same yeah. as 35.
1: Why is, it, why is it so much less than the potential for Caicedo?
0: That's the release clause that he put in his contract, which I thought was a very clever release clause to put in. When Caicedo signed a new deal in January after that failed transfer to Arsenal, that changed the dynamic because now he's in the contract until 2028 20, right. with Brighton and he's, he's got his hands tied far more than McAllister had um, but for someone who's 24 in McAllister 24, you think, is yeah, you think wow. he can bring something absolutely. to Liverpool like absolutely.
1: that absolutely yeah? the sort of definitely the second half of the season yeah, and even this, just the start of the season the fact that he was such a key man for what Brighton were I think that's so much credit to him and Brighton you know they were probably the biggest Surprise in all of last season Not because of the fact that You know where they finish Where they finish It's the nature in which they did it The fact that you could Put them up against Absolutely anybody Except for Everton at home And you'd be thinking Like they're They're probably going to win So I think it's a really good signing I think Liverpool needed Some element of excitement Because it feels like They're going through A bit of a transition as such And I'm interested to see Who he's playing instead of Because they've still got The likes of Jones As you know yourself Who can step up in Second half And get some points for you Fantasy football Yeah Yeah. But yeah I'll be interested to see What that midfield looks like But I like the fact That Liverpool, cities, And so on They're looking at younger players Because they're building For the future Yeah And even though these guys You see a good player And sometimes you forget their age But then when you see their age I think that's what makes them greater Because you know For as good as they are now They can still get better And they can get better And play a long time At your football club Yeah so it's a great signing, in my opinion. Argentine international, another penalty taker as well. Yeah. Someone that's going to be like, linking, they playing really well, getting on the ball, controlling games. Yeah,
0: he's a bowler as well.
1: Yeah, that <sighs> he's, he's nice, man. That's good. Yeah, it's nice. That's annoyingly that's a great signing I know. for Liverpool. It is
0: as well. It is as well. <laughs> um, there's there's a few others that maybe are not completely done. Nico Jackson, for example, from Villarreal to to, to Chelsea. There might be Joyan Timber joining Arsenal from Ajax yeah. as well. So. We don't have so much time for them today. And if you're a Manchester United fan and we haven't spoken about Manchester United because they haven't done anything yet, uh, we will talk about Mason Mount later in the quick hits, later on the show. So make sure you you stay on with that. And we'll also mention that the potential players who could leave Manchester United and there could be many or at least a few in the summer. So don't worry, Manchester United fans, we will talk about Man United, but it will be in the quick hits part of the shows, not in this first segment. Do you know? So we are, what? June twenty fifth, yeah. So there's still the end of June, the whole of July and the whole of August for this yeah. transfer window to still open. Yeah. From what we've discussed, and this to just to conclude this segment about transfers, it's such an if you look at you know Gvardzian and Havertz and Kovacic and McAllister and Tonali, and this is only the beginning. Yeah. It looks like this could be a momentous transfer window, right? For English clubs only, because the rest, as we said, is quite in England, it's quite in Germany, sorry, it's quite in Spain, it's quite in Italy, it's quite in France. This, this is already huge from, from an English point of view.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly is. And obviously, some people from around the world will absolutely hate that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's where all the money is apart yeah, from, you yeah. know, in the Middle East. And I think what, the reason why it's probably going to be huge is that because as it stands, I don't think any of those deals have triggered another deal. These are all deals that are independent yes. of each other. Whereas as the window progresses you start hearing about how such and such might move here. Of
0: course, the domino effect, yeah.
1: Exactly. And when the dominoes haven't fallen yet and already this amount has been spent and this amount of excitement exists. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you could be onto something here. Why yeah. is old jewels, huh? Why
0: is yeah, I no, I don't know. But and just to finish on that, the dominoes on strikers. Yeah. You know, from Kane to Ozzy to Vlaovic, Lieben, yeah? to Jonathan David you right. might not but there will be a point where like I know Jonathan David for example him and his agent is just waiting the price is 65 million that lead of set they believe some clubs will come but that might only come once the striker starts to move so once Vlaovic has moved yeah. or Kane or Ozyman or you know whoever moves then or Lukaku then there will be more space and then will be. it so for me the domino effect should be on strikers and that will start I don't know whenever
2: it starts yeah Selling a little or a lot, (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash gab jewels all lowercase go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash gab jewels Right, enough transfers. What about some quickies, Nate? Uh, Let's go, my friend. Yeah, England are
0: already through to the quarterfinals of the under 21 Euros. Nathan, do you like this generation?
1: Do you know what I do? But I don't think I've come across an England generation, which I haven't liked. But the (laughs) issue with that is that there's a blind spot for most people based in England because they don't know about some of the youth talent elsewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you think England are going to do it because you know that they play in this league and they play for this team and so on and so forth. But lots of other really good players there as well. And you very quickly realize, like, was it the captain of Italy's Tonali Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a high
0: level Euros.
1: Yeah, sure. it, it it's definitely is high level. And it takes me back to when I played Euros two thousand and nine, played against Germany in the final, and there was Manuel Neuer, Jerome Boateng I think Mesut it Ozu? Might have heard Kidi of one Euro or two as as well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, But you know, it's it's good. They've made it in there, and I we were with a chance, so shout out to uh, Lee Carly and Jolie Lescott yeah, for uh yeah, coaching them really yeah. yeah. and uh Francis doing pretty well too Jules yeah?
0: We are because we've won two games as well like England but we're not yet through the still it will still depend on the on the last game the thing is we beat Norway on Sunday night and we were terrible we played so bad. So is that we a good have, thing or a bad thing? It's a bad I mean I don't rate the manager at all okay Sylvain Ripoll. I think he's dreadful dire but he has one of the best generation ever okay like really Nate, the, the squad is so talented everywhere goalkeepers Ilan Melier from Leeds is on the bench he's not even okay. starting the centre-backs crazy midfield crazy the, the forwards the strikers unreal and yet we're playing so badly I'm like what? come on like, what's going on here we beat okay. Italy just about we were lucky because a, a goal should have been yeah. given to, to Italy as we will see in the next question but so I don't know where we stand really I think this is a super talented French team super squad really super squad but I see the performances and I'm like, there's no way they can win this tournament by beating a very strong England team, a very strong Dutch team, a very strong Spanish team that plays really well collectively and individually. All of that, I'm like, wow, okay, let's see. Time
1: will tell though. Yeah,
0: And so far the tournament was being played without any VR, Nathan,
1: but things have now changed. So you're telling me a tournament in 2023 yeah. of this nature yeah. is not with VAR. No. I feel like that's a strange one, especially given the fact that most of the players will play in leagues with VAR. Yeah. So now all of a sudden the standards have changed. Yeah. I think that's a terrible decision by UEFA, yeah, and the fact that they've changed it, I think that's probably an admitting admitting that you've made a mistake
0: yeah, massively. So whether people like VAR
1: or not, it has to be consistent. Yeah. You have to have it there because it's, that's the main thing around most of the major leagues around Europe already. So I think they've had a they made a big mistake there, big massively. big mistake, and uh, unfortunately. Oh. Gund- Gundogan has officially been announced as a Barcelona player. So what have you got to say? That's
0: right, that's right, Nathan. I mean, I will ask you about the impact that that has on the, on City and and the blow that it is that for him not to be there. I think if we're honest here, Barca was always his first choice. I think this is a club that he've always wanted to play for. I think Xavi was some sort of idol for him, starting playing the game or you know growing up whatever. And I think to be able to be coached now by Xavi... In Barcelona, to, to, to go through something different at the age of 32. This is his last yeah. big contract, really, after winning everything with City, especially the treble as captain. I think it made sense why he wanted to go there and not to stay at City or go to PSG or Arsenal or whoever, well, the clubs were, were interested.
1: Yeah, so for me, I could see the fact that he hadn't signed a new deal going into June. Yeah. It felt to me like he was going to leave. And yeah, he's, earned, he's earned a right to do that. He's been at the club for such a long time. I think he's Guardiola's first signing. Yeah, that's right. Came in injured there have been parts in his career where people at City didn't really think he was that good Yeah, then I think it all kicked on really from when the first behind closed door season happened because he ended up being City's top scorer
0: I remember yeah he had that incredible
1: run exactly then he got to this point now where you know he's the captain of this team which is arguably the best team City have ever had and if you want to say like well you know it's nothing in particular well name me how many man city captains have lifted the champions league trophy the answer <laughs> it stops at Gundogan, so yeah, exactly it's just it's a shame he's leaving is well, he a blow though yeah absolutely because like if he was good enough to win those three trophies and to play the games he played this season it would be for my mind it's good enough to do it again for yeah. another year yeah but I'm just glad that he's, he's flown to Barcelona And he's not staying in England Because I think he would have had a huge impact If he would have stayed in the Premiership
0: Luca Modric is official now He's staying another year at Real Madrid Oh my god, Modric is staying <laughs> At Real Madrid, Luka
1: Modric Ooh. You know, for, there are different people in different situations yes. People moving for so many yes. different reasons But i tell you something in my mind that's quite easy to do Is to stay at Real Madrid when they want you to stay And yeah. I think, you know, from a money standpoint it could have been great going wherever he's going but like, for most people Their last contract Would have been Seven, eight years Prior to where Modric is now I think he's turning 38 in September yeah, yeah. Madrid's not the worst City in the world Real Madrid's Probably the biggest Club in the world yeah. And he's likely Going to be playing Most games If not all games Even with um, Bellingham and stuff Coming yeah, in So yeah. Fair play to him, man. It makes he's sense. Really, yeah, it's it settled. He's in, a, he's in a very different situation to other players yes, out there, I, agree so. I agree with that. Very much so. So, today, Monday, is a big day for Toulouse Jules. Why?
0: Yes, Nate, because they will find out if they're allowed to compete in Europe next season. They qualify by winning the French club for the, Eurof- for the Europa League next season. The problem is that they are owned by the same people who own Milan who have qualified for the Champions League. And as you know, in the rules, you can't have two yeah. clubs owned by the same people competing in Europe, even if it's two different competitions, the Champions League and the Europa League, it doesn't matter. Uh, And they are trying to argue that they've done they've changed slightly the structure <laughs> yeah. and that Jerry Cardinale who is the big guy, the big owner uh, of Red Bird Group is not so much on their board anymore but there's still people who are on the Milan board and the Toulouse board right now. So this is a tricky one. It would be a blow for them especially for the players because you win the cup, you're happy, you're in Europe and now you're being told uh-uh. but they knew the rules before the start of the season. Do
1: you, think that, do you like that rule?
0: But it's, it's, just, it's just common sense. What if they face each other or what if they their result could influence the pathway of the other club that is still owned by the same people. You know, it's, eth- ethically, it's not right.
1: It's so, so basically then, if you own a team, you have to only own one and you can't own two?
0: Uh, no, you can, you can own as many as you want. As it's long as they're they mediocre. No, not that. But they, can't, just, they just can't play in a competition the Champions League where you can be dropped into the Europa League and face... What happens if Toulouse face AC Milan in the last 16 of the Europa League? What, what happens team, then? What
1: team has to win? What team has to lose?
0: Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like You could see why you think, like, ah, oh, this is not ethically right.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm not 100% on board, but I understand oh, okay. where you're coming from. Yeah, like.
0: I Khalid, understand. Kulibali's career at Chelsea is over already, Nathan, after just a year in London. What went wrong, and why is he going to Saudi Arabia?
1: You see, a year ago, I was hyping up the move. I Me said too, it's, massively. I said it was a great move. He was massively. such a, such a Good player, such yeah. a good player in Syria. I thought he'd come over transition well. This is after winning the um, CF as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. So yeah, the Afcon. AFCON. Yeah, so it's like this, everything's great. But Chelsea's year, oh, it's broken a lot of people, hasn't it? <laughs> <Massively>. <laughs> it really has. I think he only started, I think, 23 league games. You know, this is a guy that's that difficult. was captain yeah. previously in, in Syria. So I could see how that's not worked out too well. And also, like, I think there's a bias when you're in England to think that everyone needs to stay in England and how this is the best place to be but I think for him getting an offer to potentially go out to Saudi Arabia at the age of 32 yeah, that's one thing I think he's, uh, he's of Muslim faith as well so probably be surrounded By more like-minded people Over there yeah, You know yeah. what I mean So for as good a city As London is like, There's lots of people Who are here As part of their journey Not their final destination So it's a shame It didn't work out Probably didn't play To his own standard Neither did Chelsea Yeah
0: I mean overall As a team When you've got nah. a team So mediocre around you It's difficult It would be a difficult Even for you
1: Yeah I don't know about that I don't know about that Maybe <laughs> maybe not for me But yeah it's, it's a shame That it worked out that way But you know Good luck to him And anyone else That has to find a move To sort of find happiness Essentially Whatever inspires them And Another rich American owner has come into France Jewels Who is it this time?
0: Yeah, this is a lovely story, Ned. It's a lovely story because the Frinkin family who own Roma, Dan Frinkin and his son, have now bought IS Cannes, which is a historical club in France in the south. So Cannes is a lovely place yeah. if you haven't been yet, you know, and that's where side. the rich go, yeah? Yeah, yeah,
1: know. That, you, know. you
0: know. You know. I don't go that you side. I don't go that side. It's too close yeah. to Marseille for me. Okay, but, okay. but yeah, like near Saint-Tropez, you know, Cannes, Nîmes, all of that, all that south of southeast of France, which is beautiful. Um uh, Just gone back up to the fourth division. They used to be in the top flight. You know, Zinedine Zidane started his career, Patrick Vieira started his career. They used to be a really, really good club. Then they fell, bankruptcy, everything you want. Uh, And now, I mean, this is the start of what could be or should be a a new era, great era with a lot of money from them. You can just imagine now in the fourth, fourth tier of French football. For, for division, that it, they will climb back up. And that at some point, I think the objective is to be back into, into the top flight or certainly the, the second division. So I think all the Cannes fans are very happy. I just hope that Roma and Cannes never all make it to, the, to, the, to Europe. This so is what I was going to say. <laughs> we don't have this discussion ever again that you're not so keen on. But for now, if you're an IS Cannes fan, you must be very happy that you know, the for Americans
2: sure. are in town. For sure. We're driven by the search for better. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/gab. Just go to Indeed.com/gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/gab, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need, indeed. Lyon, who owned by John Texter, another American owner, wants Christian
0: Pulisic this summer, them. I mean, let's be honest here, the deal is almost impossible to do. One, because of the wages that he has. He earns a lot of money that Lyon can't afford. He can't go on loan because he only has one year left on his contract at Chelsea. So it looks very different. Anyway, my question was more, not so much about Lyon, or was more like, for Christian Pulisic's career, do you think it would be better to maybe drop to a weaker league in a sense, you know, Ligue 1 is not as good as the Premier League, I don't think that Germany is, so basically leave the Premier League to, to, to be able to express himself fully
1: uh, The Frenchmen saying Ligue 1 is a weaker league, you've said it, it so is. I don't, need to, say, I don't need to say a word But it's okay. in regards to that, what difference does it make in terms of how good or bad a league is if you're not playing? Like, if you're on the sidelines, you're on the bench, you're not being selected, you're not first choice, no, then you the as a player, the feeling that you have isn't a good one. And if he does go to play Liga, then he knows Leon, he knows the history of Leon, he knows the rivals that they'll have in that league, and he knows of the opportunity. This is like one of the, not to say that they're the same but like, there's a reason why certain players would go and sign for Rangers or Celtic and it's not to play in the Scottish League yeah. it's to play for those teams and get a chance to play in Europe and to test yourself on that sort of level a chance to go there and feel a different sort of pressure about having to win more games than say in other places that they might find themselves so I don't, I, I don't mind it and I think if he can go somewhere and play and feel like he's back to his usual self Then he'll probably believe That doors will be open For elsewhere But again Like what matters to him Likely it is He's playing for the USA Long term Likely it is He's playing for the USA At the World Cup Or whatever In three years time Whatever So let him do it. Like it's not weird. we're talking about Leon as if you know it's just a club that no one's ever heard of before. You'll have opportunities. Yeah, He'll be good players. I don't mind it. What do you think?
0: But I, I just think that if he wants to stay in the best league in the world, mm. which is where he is in England, is that better for his career or is in a position now after not playing much for Chelsea? Where he can, <sighs> you know what, I can drop a level in a way, even go to a good club in Spain, for example. Let's say like a Sevilla or someone like that, and then rediscover his best form. Instead of maybe go to a Newcastle, for example, or yeah. a team like that, and then he's still finding it difficult because he's still in the Premier League, because the level is so high, the demands, everything. That's what I'm wondering.
1: Yeah, he's, he's capable of playing in the Premier League. But I just think, like you mentioned Newcastle, but I'll take them aside for a second. If you go to a team that's like mid-table in the Premiership, for example, and you do well, it doesn't mean that you go higher. I feel like your appeal's yeah. greater if you're doing well for a team that's perceived to be bigger elsewhere. That's my take on it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I I think it's a different challenge. You might want to stay in England and so on, but I think as soon as you leave one of the big clubs in England and you go to another club in England, you realise the experience is far different to to elsewhere. So I think there is a benefit of trying to keep to the highest level you can, even if a club isn't in a league that's as strong. Go to a club where the standards are still high to the point where you're expected to win, yeah. as opposed to a place where you hope to win. Yeah, yeah, that's right So remember the big fights between the USA and Mexico And the Concacaf Nations League.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Go on. So what? Oh happened?
0: so we had the sanctions that uh, fell out yesterday. I think it was. So if you don't, if you haven't seen it, you remember the USA won three-nil. It was a high-tense game. There were problems in the crowd where they were, the Mexican fans were singing like homophobic chants and stuff like. That. It was not. It was not. It was not a nice atmosphere. And four players were sent off: McKinney and Des for the U.S., Montes and Arteaga for for the Mexicans. One, there was a fight first from a really bad tackle from Montes on Balogun. yeah, And then the reaction, you can imagine the brawl and McKinney got involved. The shirt got pulled and, and destroyed completely. Uh, and then later on, Dest and Arteaga had this kind of like, almost like a boxing fight kind of things, So they're all going to be banned for, so they got a, a natural one game ban for the red card plus three. From the Concacaf uh, kind of discipline committee, which is heavy, McKinney and Des were not involved in the Gold Cup with the U.S. right now, anyway. But the other two would have played for Mexico, so it's a big blow for them. And I'm just glad. Listen, the, the rivalry between Mexico and the U.S. is a great rivalry in many respects because two close countries, two football powerhouses in the you know in North America, with Canada now, but still. So I like the rivalry. I don't want. I want those games to be tense. I don't want to see those fights though yeah. I don't want to see fighting I don't want to see bad tackles I don't want to see anything like intimidation provocation I don't want this
1: Is it, is it off the back of the result though? Or was it yeah, 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 the game? there was
0: a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, that, I guess the frustration from—if you see the Montes tackle, it's from behind. Balogun just got the ball off him, and he's just—you know, like one of those kids yeah, from behind.
1: Yeah. This is uh, this is one of the like paradoxes st- as such within sport. If there's ever a game which I played in and we lost quite badly, at the end of the game, you'll get criticised by managers, directors, and so on, and saying the worst thing is none of you even got a yellow card, none yeah, of you even showed it. Yeah. yeah, like, like you didn't show care. that you care. Yeah, so and then the annoyed, you yes. <laughs> So this, so this is a group of guys showing that they care by just doing something that wasn't football related. And I'm with you. Like I like we, like it when football's football. Is football. Yeah. But I think that rivalry itself will always bring moments like this when the scoreline is going the way that it does, especially. You know, because it matters so much to all of them. That's such a big rivalry. We can't get a feel for it, but really it is it is huge. Yeah,
0: Benjamin Mendy is back in court today in Cheshire, Needham.
1: Yes, he is. Yeah, I think it's two more cases which yeah. they couldn't reach a verdict for um, just from a few months ago. You know, he's it's been quite a few uh, years for him. Yeah. Um, I think he was cleared of all the other ones but they couldn't reach a verdict with these yeah, next two yeah. so I don't know what the future looks like for him but he's now not a Man City player as of the 30th yeah. of June essentially yeah, yeah. so it's a tough spot to be in for him and all those involved I think I just hope that the right decision comes to the player and then from there we can really form like a proper opinion about it yeah I agree but yeah um, Alejandro Camano is Ashraf Hakimi's agent that's he's, right and he's not happy with killing Mbappe's mum jewels. why? no
0: he's not happy at all Um Kylian Mbappé's mom has decided to become a football agent. Okay. So she created a structure. She will have she doesn't have a, a an agent licensing at all, but she will work with people in France who are official agents with the, the official license. And right now she's got two clients, of course, her two sons Kylian yeah. and Ethan who is 16 who play, or 17 who plays for for PSG in the 19s. I mean they're great clients to have. However, yes. I think she would want to have more. And because of the very good uh, relationship between Ashraf Fakimi and Kylian Mbappé, how how good friends they are, they they kind of briefed and, you know, leaked a few stories that there was a possibility for Hashra Fakimi to join the structure of Kylian Mbappé's mum and become another player represented uh, by by Mbappé's mum to what Kamano was furious with, did an interview almost just to talk about that in Spain by saying, hang on a minute, what is this about? She's not even an agent. She's just the mother of a, of a player, albeit a great player, but still, uh, you know, you don't do things like this. And by the way, PSG don't even have a manager, so let's see what happens for Ashraf when they finally announce a manager. So it all went into complete directions. The Mbappe came by saying, hey, listen, we haven't said anything, we're not talking about that, anything. If Ashraf Hakimi wants a new agent, then... You know, we could be here, but I just, I just, I don't know. I just, both on both sides, Kylian Mbappe's mum becoming an agent, and then Kamano feeling threatened in a way. I just think this story is bonkers. Yeah, it's
1: and respectfully, and I mean this respectfully. Actually, maybe I don't mean this respectfully. I don't think anything good's ever come from an interview with an agent. So I'm going to say, just, <laughs> yeah, just let's true. just let's just stop it right, yeah, there, stop
0: it right there. Sergio Busquets is an Inter Miami. Player and joins Lionel Messi there in MLS. No surprise there.
1: <laughs> Listen, Messi gets what Messi wants, huh? Let's you see. Know. Let's see who else is going to join. Exactly. Playing against him one time, maybe he wants Me, <laughs> I don't know. No, it's, Did um, you play against him? Yeah, I played against him once. Yeah, once. It just it was in a. was basically in a preseason game, but it just it felt surreal. I played against him for City. In 2009, I think it was, at the Nou Camp. And we won 1-0. We never crossed got out of our half the whole second half. It's the biggest robbery you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, Sergio Busquets is an Inter-Miami player. It's not a sentence I thought I'd ever hear in my lifetime. But then again, it's then it follows and joins Messi there. But this is the thing about the MLS. It feels... It, the, the place... It's a gift and a curse in terms of how the think place works because everything they could change the rules every year if yeah. they want. So that can be a positive. Sometimes when you play in it it feels like a negative, but then it grants you the opportunity to sign two players that have been some of the greats of their generation. So, good luck to him, but I can't imagine the fact that those two players are now officially going to be playing for the worst team in MLS. I know, they
0: are. Let's remind everybody, they are the worst, the
1: team, worst in team in MLS. Worst team yeah. in MLS. And I'm just trying to think, well, the league obviously wanted him to sign. The other clubs have tried to get him to sign. Well, how's it going to look when Messi's like doing nothing? Like, oh, Busquets is doing nothing. Like, I hope they can buy into it, yeah. what it means and what they mean for the league. But... At some point, football has to be a priority and I think they're going I to know. be in a, somewhat of a tough situation. I mean, I think, you a- know,
0: for Busquets, and, and Messi is going to be an inspiration, I think, for, for generations in, in the US, great. I think Busquets, if, if, again, if he plays well and not have like a PLO-esque experience, that kind of stuff. But there's one quote that I just wanted to say on the show about Busquets that Vicente del Bosque said. He used to say, if you watch the game, you don't see Busquets. If you watch Busquets you see the whole yeah. game yeah. and I think this is so perfect oh, okay now he's 34 he's, he's never been quick but he's even slower now but the football IQ will still be there so I hope that he's still good enough like yeah. you said to inspire some kids in the US or whatever age you are in the US to just watch him play whether you watch on TV or just go to the game and just and just see the game the way he used to see I, I think season.
1: himself and Messi will really benefit the players that are around them I think they'll benefit yeah. the ones you play against them like a few times in the year but the reality of it all is like that that star power That's been brought to the MLS If it brings more American eyes To watch the game They might not necessarily Notice the details true. That define how true. Good Busquets is yeah, yeah true I hope they can find a way But then also Like Respectfully again The players that those two Will be playing with now Will be the worst players They've played in Probably since they're in The that's academy the thing.
0: Because if I'm Busquets...
1: And it's not saying they're bad players. No,
0: no, 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 but if I'm Busquets, I've got the ball. The space is here. If you don't see the space and don't move into that space... I'm going to tell you to go there, but you might not understand why. Yeah, but for all the Busquets I am, if you don't go there, I've got nowhere to pass the ball in what I think is the right space. And that's why they're still very... And same for Messi. Yeah. That's why they will still be very dependent on who plays around them.
1: Yeah, they need to... It's more than just those two pieces that will define a team, especially in the MLS, because the difference between those two and then someone on the field who was at college six months ago... You know, that's not necessarily <laughs> going to bring out the best of Messi, is it? Let's Surely just say no. that. Surely not. Uh, so Chelsea now have the same owners as Strasbourg in Liga as yours. This is a good deal.
0: Oh, I mean, you know, I'm not too convinced about multi club ownership in general. Yeah. Uh, I think it can work for some, and certainly maybe for the Red Bull Group with Leipzig and Salzburg and Liefering and and that kind of stuff. I'm not sure it works that well for City, for example, uh-huh. in general. And I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen with Chelsea and Strasbourg. Strasbourg felt that they need more investment to get to the next level. They have one of the best fan base in France, one of the best academies in France. They produce really, really talented youngsters. So that's good. I can see the attraction from a Chelsea point of view. I just want to see how the collaboration works. And if it does work, you know. The saying in Strasbourg, oh we're gonna get twenty-five million to spend now in the summer. Okay, I want to see that money there and I want to see the, the spending. Yeah. From a Chelsea point of view, what you've got first first option on those kids that come out of the Strasbourg Academy. That could be good, but like like in every academy, you have cycles. One year you'll have a great promotion. The year below is not as good, the year below is even worse. So how much does that bring you? I don't know. But the Chelsea owner, like Clear Lake and Todd Brady, and they were really keen on having more clubs and doing the multi-club ownership. This is the first step. There will be more. Let's see. But they seem happy in Strasbourg for now. We've also seen multi-club ownership turning really bad. So, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It's an interesting one. Ruben Neves is officially a Al Hilal a player. He's 26, Nathan.
1: Yes. Um,
0: Does that make sense to you?
1: Do you know what? Uh, what I would say I think that if, if you're going there At 26 compared to 32 I think you will have Something in your contract That allows you to go Somewhere else afterwards I think there will be Something in this deal That would allow him To come back to Europe Or to go elsewhere And I believe that Even if he plays there For three years He's still got his best years Ahead of him Yeah So he'll still be a value But I think the only way he'll go Is if he has an insurance That he can go elsewhere If he doesn't work out If he obviously Is a better offer as such So I think it is a shame To see someone of that quality Go away from like The mainstream Sort of like leagues And stuff that we see But he'll be back in Europe If he was 31, 32 he could be there for three years No one's yeah. going to no sign you at 34 Yeah, yeah, that's true But at 28 or whatever I think he gets the option So I'm not I'm not going to cry too much about that one and I think the way that sort of like football owners and stuff can be be creative these days I wouldn't be surprised if we see him uh, back in Europe sooner than later but I I prefer not to speak in case (laughs) I get into trouble anyway uh, so Neymar has publicly backed up the Carlo for Brazil plan jewels
0: yes that's right there was a a big charity event for Neymar's foundation where they raised a lot of money which was really good where he gave an interview he talked about the injury and how difficult the last few months have been for him which I can understand I'm sure like as a player you never wanted to be injured because you never wanted to miss anything which I completely understand and he also talked about Carlo saying that all the players want him him Vinicius Militao everybody and that they're really hoping that he joins them and Neymar said which I thought was key once his contract at Real Madrid finishes which means in December 2024 um, so clearly the plan seems to be they let Carlo finish it doing that last year at Real Madrid and then when he's out of contract and a free agent, he comes to Brazil. Even if that's going to be very close to the to the to the Copa America, for example, they're ready to wait a year and have like some sort of interim coach or whatever they're going to do between now and when Carlo is available. So I think it's good that he spoke publicly about it on record to say like, yes, we want Carlo, we believe Carlo will be great for us, and we're all very excited. So now I guess the ball is in Carlo's court in the sense that if he comes out and says, yeah. This is the plan, I've got one more year with Real Madrid, I do it as best as I can and then I say yes to Brazil and move over and then we can start to get all excited about it because this, be, this should be very exciting, Carlo Ancelotti with all that talent in Brazil, mm. should be good. Rafa Benitez is back on the bench, Neds, but maybe surprisingly, a Celta Vigo.
1: So they were 13th last season, yeah? Yeah. The fight until the end against relegation? Massively. Okay, and goes through a lot of managers? Massively. Okay, so um, managers and coach roles are the most interesting thing in the world, because I thought, because you get sacked and your value goes up because you're available. So yeah. when a new manager role comes That's in it's like, oh, You're linked to this guy But you've just lost your job somewhere else Because they said you were incompetent <laughs> yeah. When all of a sudden you're exciting to somebody And I think for Rafa Benitez There's only a certain amount of He's reached that, the end of that cycle Where there's only a amount of times you can lose your job Before you can't then pick and choose where you're going to go
0: So you mean there's a point where big clubs Stop being interested in you
1: I think so yeah Because you tried and tested yeah. But you're not in fashion Yes, yes, yes So He seems and sounds like somebody That's desperate to be involved in coaching Yeah And it's a chance for him to go somewhere And feel like he can make a difference Because, you know That's just the case with every manager If, if, if you see that a club has a spot available You will believe you can do better Than the guy that came before Yeah, for sure And he knows where his ceiling is He knows where his potential is and some of these guys like coaches are weird. Like they're wired. They want to be coaching people all the time. Yeah, yeah. So all the things which we can talk about as a negative about going to Vigo for this next season, for him he could spin as a positive because he believe they can finish higher than thirteenth. Yeah. You yeah. He believe he can be the manager, can stay there for a longer time. He believes he can change the way the team train, perform and everything. <laughs> and in some ways, it's a, it's a big coup for them, but then, if as a manager, if you had five different offers and you chose Celta Vigo, I think that's a bigger red yeah, flag. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. But when the job's available, like... It's a bit like
0: the Claudio Ranieri who yeah. you know, went to Serie B, the second division in Italy, I think because there was nothing else, and there, it was a romantic story to go by then. It's worked great because he got them promoted. But this is similar. Unless he thinks that, OK, if I do well with Celta, then maybe a club like... I don't know, Betis Who right now are not interested in him And also have Pellegrini as a coach But like I, 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 I took Betis I couldn't take an, a, a better club than Vigo Where things like If I do well with Celta And kind of prove myself again After all those years without a club Then maybe Bigger club then comes The problem is If he gets signed from Vigo in six months Because things haven't worked out It's even worse than he was before, right?
1: Um, I'm going to say no Okay Because If he was in demand now then fair enough, but if he's not really in demand now as such and he finds that job, then when he gets sacked at Vigo at some point, his name is still Rafa Benitez and he can say, you can spin it well he didn't work at Vigo because of X, Y and Z True,
0: true, which a lot of them do, right? So if there's some, there's something
1: about pride that always makes sure that it's never your fault. Let's just remember that. Uh, so Lindsay Horan has signed a perm, permanent deal for Leon Jules.
0: Yeah, I think this is big news. Nathan, the US international, who's who's part of the roster with the US to go um, to the World Cup in Australia this summer. She was there on loan before. She'd been. She had an incredible. Uh, last 18 months really where she won the Champions League she won two French titles she won, she won the Cup as well she's been great for Lyon uh, and I think they were really keen on, on signing her permanently which they did so I think this is a really good signing I think it's good that it's been done before uh, the, the World, world cup, cup starts and yep. before she even travels yep. so she's got peace of mind I mean to, to, to tell you Horan is one of the best players in the world right? Yep. there's no doubt the, uh, the transfer fee He's 250,000 euros. Euros. With with a 50,000 euros bonus. So, you know, we we talked before. This is crazy. We're talking hundreds of millions. I know. And I'm not saying that those transfer fees should be higher or that the main should be lower, whatever. I'm just saying like For one of the best players In the world You pay 250k To sign her permanently It's just crazy
1: Listen, uh, QPR signed me For 3.75 million pounds like, 3.7 uh, inc- It's incredible They got me for that value <laughs> Absolutely incredible Let's just <laughs> let How just much would you it. be
0: worth today Because that Tonight.
1: was what 10 years ago I don't know These days You trade me in For a pack of biscuits <laughs> Or crisps Or something like that That's usually enough <laughs> But love me yeah, You know that's just what it is. As long as
0: somebody wants you, there's always oh going to be a price. Oh, my God. be <laughs> Villa fans I'm not happy, Nate, with the club's new shirt sponsor, BK8. I yeah. So. so,
1: overall for me, I'm not on board with just, like, gambling in general. I yeah. understand that industry, but I'm not really a part of it. I've seen yeah. it affect people in a really negative way, whether they're players or just general public. Yeah. And I think oh. it affects the way that people perceive what they're actually looking at. Yeah. Because all of a sudden There's so much hatred And vitriol Towards certain players Because they didn't support you In getting this bet Where they were going to be First goal scorer Or your better team's going to win and so on So overall with gambling I'm not really with it I think some of the concerns That say people have About the nature of gambling And it's effects upon people I do understand that But then it's still The same league Whereby it's like The Sky Bet Championship For example yeah. Or you've seen These Sky TV adverts In yeah, England yeah, You know yeah, yeah. Gambling is a huge part Of sport And a huge part Of what football is And I think well, that's allegedly going to change in a few years' time Yeah,
0: 25, 26, I think this is Allegedly you
1: know, to have sponsors But then also, from a club perspective You know, we try and think that the clubs do things Ethically all the time and everything's great But the bottom line is it's money Yeah And it's one of the quickest and easiest ways To get a significant amount of money yeah. By placing something upon a shirt And I understand some people will be offended By the fact that they have chosen that but again, it's just a reminder that football has gone beyond just being football. Yeah, I agree, man. And it's a huge part of, say, the way corporate um, things exist within this uh, this sort of world.
0: And also, I mean, this BK8 that company, yeah, uh, which is an online like betting platform in Asia. Um, the the UK company which owns it, uh, it's it's going to be struck off. I think before July the second, and forcibly dissolved here in the UK. So it looks a bit fishy anyway yeah. on top even if it was not gambling and betting it looks dodgy a little bit already they, they, they had a deal with Norwich back yeah. in 2021 before Norwich probably from after the, the protest from their own fans kind of cancelled the deal as well this is not the first time in the Premier League that we saw some sponsors uh, being a bit dodgy with some clubs I, I just think to add to everything that you said is completely right but they need to, clubs need to be careful It's not just because someone We saw that in Italy Where the Roma and Inter spon- Sponsor on the deal Never paid anything That they promised to pay For the contract that they had With Inter and, and Roma I'm mean, like what's going on here You can't accept deals If you're not sure Who that company is And if they're actually Going to pay you
1: Yeah it, I think it's, it's People trying to be creative But then seeing the money That's available to be there Again to talk about QPR So we, we, when we got promoted In 2014 to the Premiership We had a Nike kit a year later we were we had a five-year deal with them I was like, oh, this is great yeah and i'm not trying to simp for nike because obviously they speak for themselves but the next year we were then sponsored by this company which began with like d like not even Duel or something it's whatever it's it was a weird name but they cut this partnership with nike off this new developed partnership with nike off to go with this company six months into that deal the kit didn't fit you're kidding Nothing was right, and he, like by the end of that season, the company didn't exist anymore. No way. But it's the quest for a financial for more money, yeah. To put yourself in a situation where you think financially you're better off, because at the end of the day, people want to make profits. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Want to make profits, and it's it's a shame, and people do always want to see the best case scenario. But as you've said with the Roma situation, like
0: yeah, unless
1: it's right there in front of you, like it's, it's hard to believe that something new is going to be that great and change the game that much. But eh, maybe know. that's just me. So Lille forward Timothy Way is on his way to Juventus jewels. This is a big move for him. No? I
0: think it is. I, I mean, I think it is because Juventus are a big club, bigger than Lille. Uh, he's got one year left on his contract. He was like a. Part-time, I was going to say. I don't want it to sound too negative. uh, But I think he's only only started like 40 games in Liga in the last four years. So, this is not not good enough for anybody. You said before, everybody wants to play. And rightly so. I'm not sure how much more he's going to play at Juventus, by the way. But I I wish him good luck. But we're talking about €12 million here for the transfer, which is great for Lille with one year left on his contract. It's a bit high, I think, from a Juventus point of view. But they do what they want. He played as a fullback as most as the last season as more almost as as much as a as a right winger or forward if you want which is his more natural position and did really well as a fullback even some would say better than when okay. he played higher up on the pitch so you get someone versatile who is still young who has a really good he's a really good kid his father is obviously yeah. you know uh, George Weah but I think he's good does that mean that Juventus is going to go a bit younger use more young players from their own academy from players like Timothy Weah let's hope so I just hope that he gets to a level in terms of maturity and experience everything where he's going to actually earn a starting place in that team which would be great for him because if you leave Lille as a Serb to go to Juventus as a Serb I'm not sure how much you've gained in here how old is he 23 now
1: ok I think at some point You're no longer a young player And yeah. that point is probably Going to be when you move From France to Italy And there's going to be A different level of expectation Put upon your shoulders And if you think that They're going to bring you in And just say Oh you can just sit on the bench Like within a year Before you know it You might be somewhere Even Not not Sorry you won't be somewhere worse But you might be In a more difficult situation Because now There's no history To fall back on To say yeah. that you're somebody That people should want So I think this is going to be A very very big move for him It's got great potential From a ceiling standpoint but then the floor is also going to drop really, yeah. really low if he goes there and he doesn't perform at all.
0: No, I agree with you. I mean, it, I don't want again to be mean here. This is typically like he signs a five year deal. In a year time, he goes on loan to another club in Serie A that's not as good as Juve. And then you just wonder where the career is going to go. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you end up at Empoli, for example, which is, you know, not a bad thing. You still play in the top five in Italy. But it's not Juventus, it's not even Lille where you play in Europe pretty much every year. So. I think he has to be careful. I can see why Juventus comes for you. You want to go there, no problem. But, yeah, you have to make sure that you succeed there. Yeah. Otherwise, it could be difficult. Manchester United are ready to let Harry Maguire and Jadon Sancho go in case of a good offer if a good offer is submitted this summer, Neds. Does it make sense to you? I could see
1: why fans would be keen for those two to go. Because yeah. they've not... Performed that well It's a shame for Sancho you know, yeah, He's had his own Personal issues and stuff And he's yeah, still yeah, so young Yeah. Whereas Maguire It seems like That relationship Kind of reached its end Yeah. But I'm always wary Like if everybody Has a price Then great And if you let them go Great but who's coming in Then what happens If you let someone go And nobody can come in At the same time Yeah. You know what I mean I think you need to have Your targets set And know that it's conditional But if you're in a position Whereby they need to Bring money Make money available first
0: Yeah to sign the price They want I think
1: that's a, that's a very risky situation to be in Because then once you do have the money Which do you invest in first? Because it seems like everyone yeah. wants them to sign Harry Kane yeah. What happens if you bring Harry Kane in And there's nobody else that joins after him But now you're down three players But you've got money for Harry Kane
0: True Although you think like a club like United If Maguire goes And they need a, a strong centre-back But maybe not a starter Because Varane and Lisandro are still going to be Two starters. Who's that? Someone like Disassi, for example, at like Monaco, who, the French international, who they really Is like.
1: want to come and not play, though?
0: No, 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 but that's not the message you would give to him. But you know that Lissandro and Varane are there. They're two very strong options At centre backs, right? Yeah. Then you've got Lindelof and Disassi. And then. Respectfully, you're
1: good. If, if United want you, there must be other teams that want you as well. And surely the other teams, if they could afford you, they'd be bringing you in to play more. So as a consequence, even though it's United, do you want to go and be third
0: choice? No, but you can also see as like I can I can get ahead of Varane for example and play with De Sandro Martinez That's what you
1: need to buy a younger player because they're naive yeah. <laughs> when you're older nah, we're not doing that Anyway, stick with United they've seen their third bid for Mason Mount rejected by Chelsea what's going on?
0: Yeah, I mean they're saying that this is the final one £55 million let's remember that Man has one year left only on his contract at Chelsea. He's 24 years old. And United feel like 55 really is the maximum we, we should pay here. Raheem Sterling, for example, which you can compare at different positions, but kind of similar age, let's say. Two England international, one year left for his contract at Stur- uh, City. Sterling left for 47.5, yeah. I think it was. So United are feeling like, hang on, if we pay what Chelsea want, which is 65 million, that 65 is a lot for someone who has one year left on his contract. They feel like we're not ready to pay that. I think that one still can go through, but they will have to do a lot of negotiations and maybe meet in the middle. But the problem is they could have met in the middle before and they still haven't done so, so okay. I'm not really sure they will. Mm. I think, I mean, I don't know, I was expecting you to say something, but... Do you know what? I could I could
1: say something. I could say something, especially because Mason Mount sounds like he's a Chelsea boy. But then if he he's is. a Chelsea boy, why has he only got one year left on his deal?
0: I think they never agreed a new deal. I think maybe he wanted too much money, maybe, and the new owners don't want to give those high wages anymore. But
1: he could have done that, he could have signed it's for me, it's it's always a warning sign when a player enters the last year of their deal. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? For because sure. at that point there, it makes me think that they're half thinking about going somewhere else. Because if they were desperate to sign, they would have signed. Yeah. And if the club wanted them to sign, they would have put something out there for them to sign. Yeah. So it feels like I think this move happens I think it goes to
0: United You think? I think so, yeah Oh, interesting Well, time will tell As you said earlier always. So we'll see Nathan, thank you so much It's a pleasure, sir For being with me today What a great show we had for you We'll be back, of course, on Thursday Gab will still be away So Don Hutchinson Will be in the, in the big seat Instead of Nathan Until then As Gab always says You know that Love the game Love your neighbour Love yourself Or something like that <laughs>